Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Do me a favor, subscribe to the John Conn Report wherever you get your podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. You can find us there as part of Empire Media. That's A-M-P-I-R-E. Always much appreciated when you tune in. Don't forget, you can read my work on ESPN.com. I have a story up now on how Ron Rivera, Eric Bieniemy, and Sam Howell all kind of tethered together. Howell does well, Rivera looks like a genius. If Howell does well, Bienemy does well, it's and vice versa. And if that happens, what happens for Bienemy's future? And if it doesn't go right, then you're looking at something that isn't so good for these guys. But in talking to Rivera, one of the things that he pointed out was that he can't control what this ownership group would do at the end of the year. But he said, like, hey, if they go eight, eight, and one again, but they that you know, then he gets fired and someone comes in next year, wins the division, they have 40 of their guys or draft picks from their from their tenure. And Sam Howell's a quarterback, he's going to feel pretty good because he would have gotten this franchise going in the right direction. It just so happens that it's in his fourth year. So anyways, give that a read. And another note, I'm going to be doing a live stream at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time on Tuesday with Nikki Javala from the Washington Post. She joined me a couple of weeks ago after the Ravens um, practices. Love having Nikki on. You guys seem to like have when I have Nikki on. So join us 7.30 Eastern time Tuesday. Bring your questions. We'll answer as many as we can and go from there. I'm going to be joined in a couple minutes by former Washington tight end Logan Paulson. I always enjoy talking to Logan. This was one of my favorite conversations because we started getting into a few different things um, about like how players can perceive like how good a team might be before the year. What kind of things do you look for to tell? Is this going to be a good team or not? And what does he see in this team that suggests it's going that it could be better than what maybe some outsiders believe when they just look at the talent base or whatever. Also, why Logan is more optimistic about the offensive line. And part of that comes back to something I've mentioned all the time when talking about him. We don't know the impact of the scheme. And I do think it could be a solid impact. And there I'll go and Logan and I get into this, but one thing I'll say is the last couple of years, there are a lot of times on a Monday or Tuesday morning, I'm watching the game again, and I'll take a clip and send it to Logan and say, who is supposed to block this guy? How is this linebacker not accounted for in this run? It was maddening. And, you know, I I mean, it has to be maddening for a running back because they're getting hurt because, or not hurt, literally, but, you know, their, their success is hurt by it. Anyway, that stuff was always a problem. And I think that's where Logan feels like it's going to be a change. So we'll get into all that. Stay tuned for that. A couple minutes, and then we'll get over to them. Some injury updates, Chase Young and Terry McLaurin. Well, guess what? There's no real injury updates because we won't know anything more until Wednesday. That's the first day that they have to issue an injury report. So that's when we'll get more of an official update from them. The thing with Chase still has to be, he has to be cleared by the doctor. So he's been out there. He's been out there running. He can do everything but contact. Terry McLaurin just got to rest that. It's this for both of them. It's really about rest. But with with McLaurin, especially, he's got to stay off that foot as much as possible. So we'll get a better feel for that. We, you know, it's just keep saying it's uncertain. We don't know. Uh, even when you say you're opt they're optimistic, it still doesn't mean they're going to play. They're just like, hey, they feel good um, about their chances. Doesn't mean they'll play. With Young, the other thing to keep in mind, and somebody else floated this theory to me from within the in the building, that 
there was no reason. The best thing for him was to let that swelling and everything calm down. He didn't need to have any contact over the last couple of weeks because there was no there was no real game. So they wanted to try and maybe give him a little a lot more time to have it calm down. And you know, now this week, when you get ready for a game, this is when he definitely has to be cleared. He didn't have to be cleared before, but is that just is that you know, we'll see if that's an, uh, a good theory or not, because if he's not cleared, it's not a good theory. If he is cleared, maybe it was, but we'll find out more on Wednesday, what their status is. And I have a feeling this could, could go all the way to like Friday or so. Anyway, um, last thing, sell out for the opener. How about that? This is something that we heard probably a month or so ago that this was going to happen. Like this was, they were trending to this for a long time. I thought it might be announced a week or two ago. Um, Good for you guys, because this is on the fans. It's the fans coming back. I mean, it's Arizona. Arizona's a bad team. But the difference with this game and some other big, well-attended games the last couple of years, it's all Wash. It's going to be 90-some percent Washington fans. I can't imagine the Cardinals have a big contingent or or even a medium contingent at this game. So this is the difference. This is part, this is where the excitement can be felt is in the in the ownership change is with a game like this bad opponent and it is the home opener, but it's a bad opponent. And it's one that doesn't travel yet. It's going to be a sellout. And it's funny because we're celebrating something that used to be so commonplace, but it just shows you where this franchise had sunk to and what needs to happen. Now, keep in mind, the bills come in next. The bills are going to have a lot of their own fans. there. the bills travel. Well, the Eagles fans travel. Well, they'll have a lot of fans here too, but here's the one thing you need to remember. Those tickets were mostly bought when they went on sale, whenever it was, I think, I don't know if it was March or so, before the ownership, before the team had been sold, before we knew it was just at that point, a lot of people were like, well, I'm not doing anything until I know for sure. And all we knew at that time, there were bidders, but nobody, and even at that time, I felt like it would probably probably be Harris, but it wasn't a guarantee and it wasn't for sure. So people waited and other opposing fans bought up those tickets. So don't be surprised if you see more of those splits the rest of the year. It doesn't, it's not a reflection on the fan base and their, their thoughts in this team. It's a reflection on the ownership hadn't changed yet. And there was still a wait and see. So to me, the big key will be like next year, I think we're going to see the bigger change. And then even in 2025, an even bigger change as, as the, as you get have a couple off seasons to sell those season ticket packages and rebuild that season ticket base and turn that back into a place that is good for the home team to play. So kudos to the fans for selling it out. There you go. Anyway, now that's it for me. Here's my conversation with former Washington tight end, Logan Paulson. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
College football fans, are you ready for week one? DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking you up with a can't-miss offer to start the season strong. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on college football and score $200 in bonus bets instantly. Anything can happen in college football. Your team could go from unranked to dynasty mode in just a couple of years. Change comes fast. The only thing that's a lock is the great offers from DraftKings Sportsbook. Life's more fun when you're in on the action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code KIM, K-E-I-M. New customers can score $200 in bonus bets instantly when they bet just $5 on college football. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code KIM. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. All right, Logan, we can finally stop. Well, I guess we got another week of speculation of what's going to happen here. <laughs> and it, But it's been it's been this like, as a play. And you've been on both sides of this and I'm yeah. going to get another stuff in a minute of the speculation as a player listening to speculation and now in the media speculating what's it like as a player, when you hear like six months of speculation about what they might be able to do. I mean, I think, I think as a player, like you try to like, you know, it's like when you're in the room, when you're in the building, there's this infinite confidence that you are doing the right thing all the time, that you're progressing in a way that is appropriate, that you are the best team in the NFL. Like I tell this story every once in a while. So I was here in, uh, Washington 2015, it got cut and I got signed to Chicago like it like within 24 hours. And I like the team here in Washington was pretty good that year. You know, the offensive line was good. They had some really good skill position players. And I remember going to Chicago and the first meeting I was in after it was like not the first meeting, but it was like we had like a week of practice and then like the Friday meeting. Coach Fox was like, Oh, you know, this is a this is a playoff caliber team. And I was like, no, this isn't like because I had seen what Washington was at the time and they were so much more talented. They were so much better coached. And I think there is this thing like where you're so close to it as a player, you can't see it. And then there's this other thing when you're an analyst where you're you're observing it all the time. You're you're and you get so involved in it that you lose the perspective of the NFL. And so that's why I hate I hate this kind of speculation season and saying, oh, like people have been asking me all the time, is this a playoff caliber team? I'm like, I don't know. Like, I think they're doing a nice job. They're progressing in a nice way. Like. Sam looks better than I thought he would. The O-line is better than I thought they would be at this point. But, like, who knows? Like, maybe when they start playing real defenses and, and you know, it's harder for Sam to digest it. Like, you just don't know. So, I think there's, like, this constant thing where you get so close to something, you can't see the whole picture. And we have no real data points is the other thing that gets me crazy fired up about it. So, um, it is speculation season, and I'm excited for it to be over here in a little bit. But it is funny because – you know, I always say like, they're kind of like a lot of teams in the NFC, they could win seven, they could win nine or 10, yeah. whatever. Yeah. And, you know, because like, then it depends on injuries and if how develops and if the line is better, but like they, they're like a lot of teams, it seems. Yeah. I mean, like they're, they're like the teams that don't have like the elite quarterbacks, right. right? Like there's those quarterbacks that you're like, okay, there's 10 dudes and you're going to win 10 games with those guys kind of regardless, come hell or high water if they're healthy. And we're not in that group. You know, I think defensively, there's a lot of stuff to be really excited about. Um, obviously, the defensive line, the secondary, you know, but 
ultimately, like even with the secondary, like I'm very high on Forbes. I know you're very high on Forbes, and I think there's a lot of reasons to be high on Forbes, but you don't know how it's going to look right. until he starts playing in some football games. You don't right. know how that group's actually going to gel until they start playing in football games. And it's the same thing with the offense. Like there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic, but the thing about it that you brought up is that there are 20 teams in the NFL that fall into that category. There are reasons to be optimistic about stuff, but you don't know how it, how it comes together until you start playing games. And there's this weird psychological element too. Like let's say you get hot at the right time. Let's say you win the first couple and you start feeling more confident and you start playing above your skis or, you know, above what you think you should be playing at. And you're a better team just because you believe you should be a better team. So I think there's a lot of that stuff going on. And, um, I'm always really curious, like with these first couple of games, just like what, like what is real from this training camp offseason evaluation and what was overhyped or, or under evaluated? When you were playing and when you're watching it now, what did you feel like? Cause like I always, I always like, I love the two day things against the Ravens because you can always learn stuff. I think you learn more. Did you feel like maybe you learned more about this team? this summer than past years and and what would always the telltale signs for you as a player in camp that i learned more um so as, as a player in camp like I, I was terrible at knowing where the roster was at and it par- partially because you're so focused on what you have to focus on you're like man like so-and-so is giving me a hard time in practice he must be a good player right but then you go play a new team and you're like well he wasn't that good because this guy's way better you know so it's like the sample size is so small um, I think this summer, I think the thing that really stuck out to me was just the detail at the practices. And to me, like that's at least setting the table right. for for the right stuff. Like I was talking to somebody the other day, like, you know, sometimes you're not a very talented football team. And EB's talked about this a lot in his pressers about getting a team that is detail oriented, competitive and likes to fight. And And I think like they've built a roster like that. But if you can do that, even if you're not the most talented team in the world, like you're going to win some games you should win. And because you've got guys who are going to play 60 minutes of football. And when I look at this team and I, when I watch practice, that's something that sticks out to me is offensively they built this kind of mindset, this attention to detail that is going to pay dividends, maybe not in the first five games, but at some point this season they're going to be, again, punching up in terms of weight class and beating teams that they probably shouldn't beat or in games that they weren't traditionally in. And I think that's kind of what I took away from the summer is I think even though – there are still a lot of questions. I think they, the mindset that he has brought here is something that's very, very special. And um, hopefully, and, and, I, and I believe in it. I believe in the mindset. So I'm not even saying hopefully. I think it's going to pay dividends this season. And it's going to, and that's something that I've taken away from, from the summer. I think mindset matters. And that's the hardest right. thing. To, that's a hard thing to quantify. But when you're around it, you can feel it. And there have been previous yeah. teams here where I felt like, they get off to a start and I'm like, this team is better than that because of their mindset, because of the way they work, sure. that you think they're better than that. And usually those teams turn it around because of that. So, you know, when you, and it, you know, when you were a player, would you, could you tell, like some guys seem to be like, Oh, we're a nine win team. We're this, we're that. Could you, did you ever get that sense of, you know, and you brought up the bears as an example yeah. and the 15 team, did you, could you, I know you said about individual players, but as a team, could you tell, it's funny, you know, like I think there were times where you thought you could tell. And then I think a good a good example is like the 2012 team, right? Like I think like I don't know if I knew we were going to be a good team. I don't think we I don't think I knew we were going to be what we were that year, you know, which is a very competitive team that again was punching above our weight class. But I, again, I go back to kind of the mindset and the foundation, the type of guys 
that were in the locker room. Like I think back to Josh Morgan and Pierre Garçon and Darrell Young and the offensive line with Corey Lichtenscheiger. Like none of those guys are like crazy names, right? They're not like these amazing football players, but you said it right there. They're they're fighters, right? They're guys that are going to fight for 60 minutes and it allowed us to be something better than we were. And so that cultural element to a team is so, so important. And that's established through coaching and practice. And that's why I think EB, what, what EB's done here. But I think, and so that's why I'm really high on this roster and this team, because I do see a lot of similarities between the types of guys they brought in, the types of guys in leadership roles. And again, I think that it affords them an opportunity to be a little bit better than what maybe the sum of the parts is. But I think I think in the summer, especially if you don't have a joint practice, it's really, really hard to see where the team is at. Like, I've been a part of a lot of teams, man, in the summer where you're like, man, this is going to be a good football team. Like, when I was in Atlanta, I was like, man, no one's going to be able to stop us offensively. Like, we're, we're really, really good. And then you get in the regular season, and you're kind of like, man, our defense wasn't as good as I thought. You know, offensively, we can't pass protect the way I thought we could. And then it leads to, like, a cascading effect. But when you have that joint practice, it's, like, a really easy opportunity to see, like, oh, like that is what an outside linebacker looks like, or that's what a cover two safety should be doing. And it really changes your perspective on the compilation of the roster. So I, long story short, it's really hard to tell, but I do think like there's a there's like a mindset that can be seen that can lend itself to more wins. But in terms of talent evaluation, when you're just practicing 1v1 every single day, that can be a little bit challenging. But you know, it's funny you bring up the mindset. And by the way, like Pierre was a guy that you felt like Oh yeah, he could snap anybody in half in here if he wanted to, and so like you're not going to mess with Pierre because, yeah. you know, you just you don't like. And it was always like you talk to guys in the locker room, like who's the one guy that you'd want walking with you down a dark alley late right. at night? It was either it was always three guys: Trent, Pierre, but I think yeah. the number one guy was you want on your side was Niles Paul. Oh, like, Niles Paul! All three of those guys were yeah. excellent, excellent in terms of just that 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 like this don't mess with me mindset it was right. very very high so and I, I respect the hell out of all those guys yeah no me too. because of that yeah right but the one guy that they bring up with on this roster that they feel maybe has helped develop some more of that is nick gates yes you see that you know yeah i mean i think it shows up in film like i think that mindset that is like a little chippiness a little energy like the boisterousness that he approaches practice with like i played with guys like that. And I think there's a lot of value there, especially at the center position, which is kind of the de facto leader position of the offensive line. And I I, I don't want to say it's rubbing off because I think Cosme's like that. Yeah. I think Wiley's got a little bit of that to him as well. But I think it, it I think it kind of brings it to the forefront because you say, Oh, like this is the leader of the group. This is how he is. Let's be like him. Let's kind of embrace what he does well. I think you see it with Ricky Strongberg. I think he's mentioned a couple times that yeah. he sees Nick Gates as a mentor. And I think Having guys like he might not be the most talented football player. He might not be the best center in the NFL. You know, he's not Creed Humphrey or whatever or Kelsey in Philadelphia. But having a mindset that brings those five guys together is so, so important because that is what you want. You want a bunch of guys who are going to grind for 60 minutes and finish runs and and kind of play the psychological warfare game. Like Fred Smoot says, you know, I as a defensive guy, I don't want to like any of the offensive linemen. And I'm sure they're all nice guys, you know, like you said, around the building, they're they're fine. But on the field, I think there's a lot of truth to that. You want the guy that's going to push you after the play and kind of hold you a little bit longer than he needs to, you know, maybe he doesn't help you up after the piles down. And I want that guy on my team because those are like, they're, they're fighters. And I think, you know, when you look at the composition of the O-line, I think they have the potential to have five fighters out there, which is something that I, again, I go back to 2012, 
Like those dudes, they again, not the most talented group of all time, but they were scrappy, competitive finishers. And it elevated the running game and elevated the pass game because you knew that like maybe this guy got beat, but the center is going to come in and deliver a waylay block and kind of let the, let the guard get back and in pro. Or we're going to maybe this combination block isn't great, but I'm going to finish at the second level and cut this guy down and Alfred's going to get four more yards. And, and, that, and, and that's winning football from an offensive line that maybe isn't the most physically gifted group of all time. And not to re- not to walk down the 2012 memory lane, but also like that line, like Alfred played well with with that line and the way he said, and obviously Robert with what he could do. Yeah, but Alfred set up that line and got let him get to those blocks as well. Yeah, they would finish mm-hmm. them. And with Nick, it is funny because we saw him against the Ravens, drilling that guy at the pileup in, yeah, in the yeah. goal line, and he even told me like he's like he likes to walk up to that line and let the other player cross it. So he's, you know what I mean? I mean, I, I, that was a big part of my game in my career and I have a lot of respect for it. It's like, can you push that guy? Like I used to tell, I I told someone this the other day, like my philosophy was, can I push you for 60 minutes? Cause I know that I'm in better shape and mentally I'm tougher than you. And like, at some point, like this didn't happen all the time, but more talented players would just kind of give up, you know, they just would be like, I don't want this anymore. And then, then it lets you win more reps, lets you win more routes. And, I, I think there's I think there's a tremendous value there. You got to be a good football player, obviously. And right. I think Nick Nick is, but I think guys that embrace that mindset, embrace that kind of tough competitive uh, philosophy, um, lead to good lead lead to lead to a better football culture. How much do you think that also flows down from the way they practice some with EB? I mean, there was definitely seemed to be a more of a greater sense of urgency, more the tempo, yeah. and maybe getting you know the constant demands. Um, how much does that play into the shaping that mindset? Well, I think the thing that really stood stood out to me was again the attention to detail that EB brought. Excuse me, was 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 extremely high. I also think it's important to note that like they didn't do a ton of like O line specific training this off season. They were all with Castillo and 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 you know the O line coach and I think or Chavelle, Excuse me, I forgot his name for a second. Um, and they just were able to build a chemistry together, the O line that. You, you very rarely see, like, I remember the first day of team run, I, I told this story before, like they come together for team run and you're like, what's this going to look like? Because they haven't done any team run this whole season and it looks great. It looks insanely sharp. Yeah. And I just think one of the things about this practice structure is it allows them to get a ton of reps yeah. and work together because they're working at that tempo. And the more reps I get with the guy next to me, the more different variations we can see, the more we can communicate and be like, Hey man, you know, versus this tight three, I'm going to be a little bit thicker. You got to be faster to get your hat across. I'm going to be patient. But you got to help me once you get there. Right. And like those types of conversations, that level of communication is so important. That only comes from reps. And we're yeah. talking about the O line, but that also comes with the receivers. Like, hey, versus this cover two, I need you to be a little bit flatter. Or hey, I'm I'm the clear guy. Like, who am I actually clearing out? It lets me see that a whole bunch. And so you mentioned the tempo, you mentioned the attention to detail. I think all of that stuff is paying dividends now because I think when you watch the preseason, one of the things that comes out to me when I watch it is there was three tiers of football of, of this football team, the first, second, and third team. And they all played detail-oriented, competitive football, and there were a lot of mental mistakes. And I think a lot of that stems from the volume of practice they were able to get in over the course of the offseason and through training camp. And, you know, it's funny because that's one thing when I'm talking about Nick Gates and I've talked about on here and just like 
getting used to how does a guy handle a double team and and like yeah. when can you leave this guy when do you know this guy has this and I can now get to the linebacker yes. etc and that all comes through ups and that's why when you look at this line that it's really you know we can all look and say oh you know they they've got to be better we all know that and it, but it's hard to fully accurately gauge just based on the names what they might sure. do because we don't know how they're going to look together i think the run game looked fairly solid but also the scheme etc how that plays out for this group as well and how it helps them yeah and i, th I think this group is going to be one of those groups where it's like right now they're they're much maligned and i think after watching training after watching preseason like they did a good job Again, against Baltimore, I know it's not the starters, but they did a good job. Of, of they did a good job in the two-day practices. Yeah, and, and they did a good job of the practices. They did a good job. Even even in, even in Cleveland, minus like one player, you know, like he had a rough game that game. I thought they did a really good job. And I think you're, I think the coaching and that group coming together and like, you know, that old adage of like five fingers making a fist, like it makes something very, very powerful. And I think that group's coming together in a way that I get really excited about. It. And, it, and it's the stuff you're talking about, it's the chemistry. It's understanding, hey, I know when Cosby knows when Wiley needs help in pass pro. I know I can sit on this B block and we can really drive this guy out here because Cosby's fast enough to get to the second level late. Like that stuff is going to pay dividends. And, I, you know, again, I don't think they're they're necessarily, and this is not a knock on anybody on the team. I don't think they're like talented enough to be like a top five group in right. the NFL, but I think they could be like legitimately like a top 15 group. And that's, I think that would be good. That's that's enough to win football games. And I think when you look at the analytic stuff regarding O-line play, like average O-line play is good enough to win football games, especially oh. if you have good skill guys, good defenses, right? And I think that's the environment that they built here. And so, like, you know, I've been very critical of how they've constructed the offensive line. But I also think I see the value of what they've done now is they found guys that kind of fit together. You know, Wiley and Cosme are good buddies. And Gates kind of brings that mental toughness. Kazi or Sadiq is coming along. Chris Paul is coming along. Leno's kind of his own person, you know, because he's 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 a veteran. But when you get that kind of chemistry with those five guys, then I think that's extremely important. So I think they're gonna they're gonna be better than what people think, just based on what I've seen in training camp. And obviously things change, like we just talked about. But I'm I'm relatively optimistic about that group because I I think and and Juan and Travell deserve a ton of credit because they've they, they've built they've helped create an environment where those personalities can come together. If they become an average line, they, and if they're around that middle area, this team should be highly competitive. I think so too, I, and, and that's why that's why coming out of preseason, like everyone says, oh Sam had a really good preseason. I think the old line showed us more. They showed us more than what I was expecting. You know, I thought it was going to be a little bit of a um, little bit of a fire sale. You know, in passing situations, obvious passing situations. I think EB did an excellent job of again calling a game that helps those guys that puts them in good situations. That's part of it. But also like the techniques were sound, right? The positioning was sound, understanding where the help is, understanding the rules. Like that was something in watching uh, games last year that was really, really tough. Is sometimes it was like the, the chemistry just wasn't there with that group in a way that, that, that led to like a crisp product. And so when I watch now, I'm like, this feels different. And again, it's preseason, it's training right. camp. I'm going to steal something from Craig, you know, my co-host on the Take, Craig Command podcast. Take Command podcast, also on 980. The, the yeah, team. I mean, he's, he's everywhere, go. right? He's everywhere. But, you know, he always says, like, they passed the test that was given them. And I and I totally agree that that's they a good, passed that's the a good test. Point. And so, you know, like, as of right now, obviously things can change and the test is going to get harder. But I think they, they, they checked all good technique, 
good finish, good understanding of the concepts and the philosophy offensively. And that's, that is encouraging to me. And and I will say this too. This is also, your comments are also based on watching them in practices yeah. as well. It's not just a couple of preseason games. Cause I think, you know, obviously anybody with a TV can see what they did there. If you want to study it, it's yeah. also based on that, but you know, and so I think it's, it'll be to me, that's the biggest key of the season is, can they do that? That's the question. I mean, that's the million dollar question. It's, and that's why this offense is so interesting to talk about because that's the million dollar question. Again, I'm more optimistic that that's going to happen, that that's going to be something I think between 20 and 13 is very reasonable for this group in terms of goal and expectation. Obviously, 20, it's going to lead to a different outcome than 13, you know, but I think that's a very reasonable position based on what I've seen. And then where's Sam Howell at? You know, I think he's shown a lot, much like the O-line, showed a lot of improvement from a technical standpoint, From uh, showed a lot of improvement from a mindset and, and, and mentality standpoint. But again, like what is he going to be when defenses are, are dialed up to 11 and they're bringing pressures all the time? And does he identify who the blitzers are? Does he know when he's hot? Does he know where his hot outlets are? Like all those things are super important. And that's something that he struggled with a little bit throughout training camp, you know, from like a blitz identification standpoint, you saw it a little in the preseason, but he's getting better. And I think like, you know, I had an interview with him on the sideline during the preseason. And I was like, how do you improve on that? He's like, I need the reps. I need to watch film. I need to talk to AB. I need to use my resources. And it just, to me, showed a maturity of a guy who kind of understood that I'm not there yet, but these are the steps I need to take and that I'm going to take to get there. And that, and you've mentioned this before. He's been impressive physically, but I think the mental professionalism that he's brought has also been impressive. But when I tell people I think he can be a good quarterback, it's because of those traits, not just what we see yeah. physically, because I've seen plenty of guys who are like, okay, physically he can do this. Behind the scenes, he's not doing that. Right. And it's behind the scenes was what makes, to me, gives quarterbacks long-term staying power. Yeah, and I think, you know, again, we've been talking about 2012, so let's keep it rolling. But like, you know, with Robert, for example, like going from 12 to 13, like there were some there were some things. And again, he's a young player. He doesn't have everything figured out. I'm not being critical of Robert, but like there were some things about his approach that made his growth more challenging. And I think when you talk to Sam, that those issues aren't there. Like the ability to say, oh, be, be a little bit more self-reflective, be a little bit saying like, how do I fix this issue? You know, like if, I, if I'm having a hard time reading this coverage, like how do I get better at it? And, and again, like when you're irrespective of position, the guys that are, have a growth mindset that are self-reflective and say, I need to be better about X, Y, Z, and I can get myself better at X, Y, Z, um, are the guys that I think are really, really good pros, you know, and they stick around for a long time. And that, like I tell young kids this all the time when they ask me, like, why did you, why would you able to play for 10 years in the league? And it's like, I didn't count on anybody else to get me better. It was the coach. It wasn't the coach's job to get me better. It was my job. And so Correct. that kind of comment from Sam makes me think, okay, he, he kind of understands that on some level and he's still young, but I think that that, that, that bodes well. And you know, it's funny because I, you know, people always think that it's a coach's job to get it. Like the player has to be able to get them there themselves too. Like if you, Absolutely. you uh, coaches, I always say coaches aren't miracle workers. And right. so if you don't have, and it's funny, cause when you talked about the mindset, I have a book that's, it's called mindset and it's all about <laughs> growth mindset, right? Yeah. Growth. And so when you have that, not that you can't succeed another way, 
But the growth, yeah. the growth mindset to me is a big key. And that I agree with on Sam. And one of the things that I think I really like about him, it's why he could go to Carolina and succeed as a true freshman right. is because he's more mature than his years. And, you know, the, the mindset too, I think also comes from when he was in high school, he played safety, he played linebacker. So he was like, he's a player more than he is a quarterback. And I think that makes a difference too. Yeah. And I think having that experience at, at, Car at North Carolina is super important because it's one of those things where it's like, he's done this before he's played against a high level of competition very early in his career. He kind of has a roadmap. And I listened to your podcast where you talked to his quarterback coach. And I thought there was some good insight there about how he's kind of, he's, he's developed modalities and methodologies. Sam has, you know, with, with other resources to make sure that he's ready and he's developing and he's ahead of the curve as opposed to kind of constantly um, being reactive. He's being proactive in those areas. And, it's it's not the magic bullet and you know the amalgamation of what makes a, a good quarterback is very very complicated but i look at him and i say like he's got some of these kind of intangible qualities that i've been like matt ryan does that you know deshaun watson say what you want about him he does that and like you know removing the off-field stuff from that comparison like those are the guys that you say like jimmy garoppolo there's a there's an understanding of professionalism a confidence that he seems to have. And it's got to come together on the field, and we haven't seen that yet, really, truly. Right. But I th I think if you're betting on something, those are things you like to see. And and I'll and I'll, the other part is, too, I don't want to discount the role of a coach. I'm not saying – I wasn't meaning that before. I just think that it has to start with the player and what they do, and then a good coach can enhance that, enhance their skills, put them in the right spot, et cetera. So I don't want to discount it, but I do – I always do believe – it starts with the person themselves and, you know, and then you go from there. So what about like, when you look at it as a player, when do you know that things are coming together? Like you have a new coordinator, new quarterback, new starters on the line. When do you know it starts to come together? What things do you look for and how long might this take? I mean, I think as a player, it's the same thing that you look for as an analyst in large part or that I, or that I look for as an analyst. And it's, and in, and there's this thing, you know, I coach high school football and I just had a conversation with a guy who's coached high school football for like 30 years this morning. And one of the things he said was that there is a there's a momentum and a confidence to a high school game that doesn't exist in the pros. Mm. And I would kind of back off of that. And I'd say it's the same. There is there's a confidence and a momentum, but it applies to the offseason, I would say. Mm. So if you're going through an offseason, you're like, man, like the defense is really getting after us every single day it makes you lose a little bit of confidence in what the coordinator's doing or the offensive philosophy or the quarterback or the offensive line. And then there's this doubt and the doubt kind of permeates the team, permeates the roster. And it leads to this kind of environment that doesn't allow for this confidence. Mm -hmm. And, you know, say what you want, like confidence is such a big part of being Huge. a good football player and a good football team. So what I would say about this off season in terms of, of watching it is it seems to be progressing. The defense never seems to be too far ahead. And we've talked about how talented this defense is and all the stuff they can do. And for them, for this new offense, new offensive coordinator with a young quarterback to keep it close in the race, that would give me confidence. Going to the Baltimore practices and performing the way they did, performing the way in the preseason that they did. I know preseason doesn't really matter, but it does kind of lay a foundation. They needed the reps. Yes. The same. Talk to Fred. They always say, like, I wanted to come out of preseason personally 
having made a couple plays and played well. And I was the same way. My role in terms of preseason and relation to this preseason was way different than them. But I wanted to come out being like, my hands are good. My feet are good. I'm, I'm moving guys off the ball. I'm being physical in the run game. I'm catching the ball when they're throwing it to me. And it does promote confidence. And so for me, like I look at this and I say, like they have kind of done, they, they're building, they're crescendoing in a nice way for week one. And hopefully you come out of that week one with a, with a decisive win, with a very positive offensive performance that leads to a confident mindset. And I think that that's so, so important is, is building a positive trajectory for your first game. And then you're like, okay, we're the, we are the real deal. All that stuff we did this offseason was for this, and that's why we're doing so well. And, you know, it's funny, and not, not to harp on this some more, but you earlier you talked about, like, the rules and everything like that. I know that was a sticking point for you last year with the line is that sometimes you couldn't figure out yes. what they were doing, whereas this year you seem to have an idea of what they're trying to do or what they're supposed to do on a play. It just seems much more clear, you know, like there, like last year there was, there was runs where it's like, okay, I, I, you know, you're bringing this jet sweep, you're bringing a guy back into the box, but we're not going to target this new defender in the box that, you know, when you watch LA, who's the king of jet sweeps with Sean, like they do that all the time. They're targeting the first guy in the box and they're booking the guy away from the run here. That wasn't always the case. Or sometimes you'd be not motioning and you'd be taking a targeted run to the guy over the slot. And then you're leaving two unblocked players in the box. And it just made it very, very challenging for the running backs to be successful. It makes it challenging for the offensive line to be good on combinations. And here you can see that there is a, a confidence and a precision to that run game that is is very, very different. And to me, it's the confidence from the offensive linemen of knowing where they need to go and having good and effective run angles for the offensive line to put them in positions to be successful. So I think all that stuff is super, um, super exciting for me. You know, just again, I go back to that level of detail. I've said that a hundred times on this podcast, but details, detailed routes, detailed footwork for the quarterback and detailed blocking assignments like that, that just, it's not the answer. It's not the end all be all, but it is a huge factor in good football. And, and seeing that is important. Listen, it could be the difference between like if they had bet maybe if you're more detailed last year, you're nine, seven, and one. Hundred percent, dude. I mean, and, they, and now you're in the playoffs and everybody's looking at this differently. Yes. Is 100%. there is there a player that you're, you know, whether offense or defense, that you're most that not among the stars, but someone that you're really looking forward to seeing? Yeah, I mean, you know, when you cover the team, you kind of build like like a little fan club for every single player, you know. And I think that is that's one of the fun things about being being an analyst for one team is you get to really know everybody um obviously i mean i think you know maybe i don't know if this is this is in line with your question but you know like antonio gibson is a guy like i really want to see be utilized in space cole turner like what he showed in preseason can he continue to build on that can they kind of cultivate this tight end room in a way you know curtis hodges is a guy that i i'm i'm really curious to see his development is he going to start a whole bunch of games this year no but does he develop? Can we get a guy who can maximize that athletic frame and, and be a good football player? That's that's what I'm curious about. Um, defensively, I mean, I want to see what Jamin Davis can do. I really do. I think he's put, he's put himself in a position for a big year. Um, you know, Percy Butler on teams, Jeremy Reeves on, on teams, Christian Holmes on teams. Like, what do those guys do? Cam Curl, can he get his foot, hands on the football some more? So right. there's a lot of guys that I'm really excited to see that can take you know, maybe not huge jumps, but jumps that would be instrumental for them in their careers. And that's something that, again, is one of the benefits of covering a team as closely as, as we do. So I wonder two guys who can make a big jump, both sides of the ball, Brian Robinson. Yep. 
You know, because like, and my point on him, and I had Sam Fortier on the other day, and we were talking about him. Like, my point is, I don't think we ever saw Brian last year at 100% ever. And, yeah. you know, and he looked really sharp this summer. And then Benjamin St. Just on the other side. Oh, and, the, absolutely. and you talk about confidence. Like, he talked about that too, and just how much he's playing with it and the difference it can make in making a play or just breaking up a play. 100%, man. And those are two guys that I, I, I'm ecstatic to see. You know, B-Rob, I didn't mention him because he's like the true right. starter. But I think B-Rob is a guy that, like, he did some stuff this offseason. I want to say it was like the second or third week of training camp catching the football that I thought, wow, like that is a very special skill set for a man that big. Like, And I, I like him as a football I, – I just like him as a football player. Yeah. He's physical in blitz pickup. He's a physical runner. He's got good vision. I wish we could have seen more of him in the preseason. You know, not to kind of yeah. say he needs to show us anything, but I just wanted to see see more of that. You know, see more of him running the ball, see more of him being physical downhill. Uh, but he's a guy that I'm tremendously excited for. And Benjamin St. Juice, like when you're talking about guys who had, you know, excellent training camp phases – like you're going to be hard pressed to find a guy who had a better one than him. Yeah. Like I, he's for sure top five in that category. Just very confident. Simon Sound at the nickel was outstanding. Did a, did an outstanding job. So I totally agree with both those guys. And so the last thing I want to ask you then too, and going back to like expectations and all that. So the outside, it's funny because I see a lot of people saying, "Oh, five and twelve, six and 11. I'm like. I just don't see that for this team. Like that means you're there are like several games worse than last year. Yeah. And I don't now I know the schedule's tougher. I don't see it, but like, what do you think of that? And as player, as a player, did you ever pay attention to that and let it seep into your mindset at all? Not really. As a player, like it was like what again, like I was so worried. My my focus when I was playing was like making the team. Right. And right. if I made the team, it was like, can I win my one-on-one for the week? You know, right. that's all I really cared about. Um, and I, you know, I think like, that's the one thing about these projections is that they're just projections. Like right. if we, if you were to sit down and ask me, why am I, why do I think X, Y, Z in terms of, of, of season projection for the, any team, it would just be based on stuff that happened last year, but teams right. have changed. They've grown right. injuries happen. Um, players mature. Like I look at Jacksonville as a perfect example. You get a new coach down there and all of a sudden Trevor Lawrence looks like Trevor Lawrence and they look right. like a playoff team. And that's, that was I don't know if we could have projected that level of growth just from a coaching change. Like, so to me, like as a player, I don't care about it. I think when you look nationally, like at, at what the national pundits are looking at, you're looking at a, a second year starter, a guy that was a fifth round draft pick, an offensive line that I think is much maligned. Um, that's a huge, I, I mean, and this in an offensive driven league, like stop the conversation right there. That's enough to say they're not going to beat Philadelphia. They're not going to beat Dallas. They're, they're going to split with the, uh, they're going to split with New York, and you know that's five games lost right there in the division, right? And you look about, you got the Bills, you got some of these other tough games, and you say, oh, like they're not going to win that many football games. But I also think, like we see it, we understand EB's impact on this group, and, I, and I'm a little bit more optimistic. And and are they going to be this team that is like a juggernaut walking away with victories every single week? No, but are they competitive, scrappy, tough, and can they eke out some close games? I think this team is more built to do that this year. So I think they're going to win some games they shouldn't win because of because of that philosophy and that approach. So you know, that's something funny. that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and it's funny because like last year, they did split with the Eagles and they split with the Cowboys and they couldn't beat the Giants. Right. Yeah, and they were, right. you know, and I think like the quarterback play, like God bless Taylor, but it was, you know, you look at the total QBR and all that, it's sub it's subpar compared to the rest right. of the league. And right. is Sam going to be worse than that? And listen, again, I think he's going to be good. I don't know when. And so who knows? But 
I will say, Logan, it's it's nice that this is game week that we can finally <laughs> get to this point where it's like in a few days we'll actually have a game to discuss about what happened, not what might yeah. happen or how might this guy do. It'll be what happened, and I'm looking forward to that most of all. Yeah, me too, man. It's going to be a lot of fun, and it's so exciting, man. It's such an exciting time of year because you get to get all these questions answered. You get to see, and again, like you know, talk about the Arizona Cardinals all you want, but I want to see him win a game. I want to see him in front of yeah. that home fan, home crowd. That's going to be awesome, and uh, yeah, just really looking forward to I it. I think the opener is going to be as much about the atmosphere, the renewed excitement, et cetera. Yeah. We'll go for there. Last thing, tell people where they can find you, all your good stuff, because you got, people got to pay attention to you on Instagram everywhere. Take Command Podcast, go. Yeah, so I got Logan underscore Paulson82, put some of my breakdowns up there. Obviously, the Take Command Podcast with Craig Hoffman, all the stuff on the Commander's YouTube page. We've just added a podcast on that called the Command Center Podcast. I do it with Fred Santana, and that's been a lot of fun to do. It's a little bit more casual. Like those guys' personalities are great. Um, I've got the pre and post. I got the post game show with B Mitch um, on Sundays, so that'll be a lot of fun. So a lot of stuff going on, um, and just trying to get the best content out there. You know, John. You always do. Thanks a lot, Logan. Always the best, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, John. Appreciate it, bud. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Logan for joining me. And thank you, as always, for tuning in. I'll be back on Tuesday night, 7.30 Eastern Time with Nikki Javala of the Washington Post as we have a live stream on YouTube. Join us there, 7.30 Eastern Time. Bring your questions. Talk to you next